Well, today we are continuing our message series, Stages of Life, and we're going to be looking at the third stage of life. Now, in this series, we're looking at five stages of life that each one of us passes through. So far, we've looked at the first stage, which is basically childhood through the teen years. Last Sunday, we looked at the second stage, which is uh, the young adult stage. We define that as kind of in the 20s, and today we're going to be looking uh, well, that's a stage, you know, when, when uh, young adults typically leave home and they start their families. But today we're going to be looking at the third life stage with a message entitled Prime Time Blessings. And this is the period of time when people are roughly in their 30s to 50s. Uh, some maybe a little longer than the 50s, could move into the 60s. But during this life stage, people are <clears throat> engaged in full-time work. Not that people in their 20s, <laughs> these are general statements here, so don't take offense, please. Uh, engage in full-time work, they're raising families, those are some of the primary responsibilities in the prime time, and as I've said in the other messages in this series, uh, each of us is only in one stage at a time, I've kind of done them chronologically, and so just because we're talking about a stage today, perhaps you're not in that stage uh, there are lessons that you can learn from every life stage. Many of these things apply to every stage of life. And if some things don't apply, I'm sure we all know people in every life stage. And it's good to know perhaps some of the things that they're going through, some of the ways that we can encourage them. Now, uh, the lessons that we learn, uh, we can apply not only to our lives, but to others. So now our message today is I've entitled Prime Time Blessings. Now the word blessing or blessed is used some 400 times in the Bible. That's a lot. And so it is a key concept in the Bible. What is a blessing? A blessing is a God-given gift that leads to success in life. Now I need to define success in life because you might think, well, success for me would be a millionaire or whatever. Or maybe it is for you. I don't know. Not for most of us, probably. But success in life is basically fulfilling God's purpose and plan for your life. God considers that successful. That's the way you're going to be the most content, the way you're going to be the most fulfilled, by fulfilling God's plan and purpose for your life. And that's what a blessing is. It leads to that success. Now, blessings are not just an abstract idea. It's not just... <clears throat> something apart from God, you know, a little package that comes down from heaven. Uh, a blessing is really comes to us from the presence of God. The more of the presence of God that we have in our lives, the more blessing that we have. And so the blessing and presence are tied closely together. Let's look at the first scripture we want to look at today. You can follow along in the white page in the middle of your bulletin if you like. It's Deuteronomy 28, verse 1. It says, And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord, your God, being careful to do all of His commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Now, this, these words were spoken by Moses, inspired by the Holy Spirit, just before the people of Israel entered the promised land. Now, if you read this whole chapter, you'll see after these verses a whole list of blessings that God promises to the people of Israel. 
Now, if you read these verses closely, you'll see that God's blessings on Israel were not automatic. It wasn't a done deal that you're going to get all those things. These verses are a conditional promise from God. We see that in the very last phrase. These blessings will come upon you and overtake you if there's a condition you obey the voice of the Lord your God. If people obey God's word, then the blessing would come upon them. If we read the whole chapter of Deuteronomy chapter 28, we see if the people disobeyed, not only would the blessings not come on them, but curses would come upon them. But today we're not talking about curses, we're talking about blessing and how we can be blessed by God. He said, if you obey the voice of the Lord your God, and today, obedience to God comes as we grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will do what? You will keep my commandments. And so love for Jesus, the fruit of our love for Jesus, is demonstrated as we obey his commands. And as we grow in our obedience to Jesus, What's going to happen? Well, more and more of God's blessings are going to come into our lives, in every dimension of our lives. And why does God bless us? Well, He blesses us because He loves us. He blesses us because we're in relationship with Him. And He blesses us so that we can be a blessing to others. The blessing of God actually can be transmitted from us to others. As He blesses us, we can bless others as God works in and through our lives. And so today we're going to look at three different areas that God desires to bless us during this stage of what we, I call prime time. The first we're going to look at is blessings of godly living. Let's look at Psalms chapter 1, verse 1. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. And so this very first psalm, a very important psalm, begins with the word blessed. And so God tells us that blessing begins by not doing certain things, things that lead to sin. And in this verse, we see basically three degrees of a descent into sin. The first of all, to be blessed, we mustn't walk in the counsel of the wicked. The counsel of the wicked is when they're wicked people communicate wicked counsel. Uh, and things that are not good, things that are contrary to God. And to, to walk in that counsel is to listen to it. To take it in, to think about it. Walking in the counsel of the wicked is not a way to blessing. Now that's just walking alongside the counsel. Well, what is next? It says, you're not going to stand in the way of sinners. You know, you're walking along and you know, somebody says something and you, you, know, you hear it, but now you stand in the way of sinners. You stand there. You listen. You begin to pay more attention to the way of sinners. That's a deeper descent out of blessing. And finally, he says, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. You're not just standing. Now you're sitting down with them. You're participating with them. You're listening to them. And it describes these sinners as scoffers. 
Not only are they involved in sin, but they scoff at those who are involved in righteousness. They scoff at those who are living a godly life. Now, these instructions certainly imply being in the physical presence. I mean, that's the picture we get of of ungodly people. And that instruction is important for us today. Who you hang out with is going to influence your life. But in today's world, this also applies not just to being in a physical presence with somebody else, but how might we describe it? Being in a virtual presence of somebody else. Right? We have so many ways of being in the counsel of the wicked that doesn't mean you're sitting next to somebody. You might be communicating with a person virtually on your phone or your computer. You might be reading a website, looking at a movie. All of these things are covered by this verse, these instructions. Even reading the pages of a book. And so this first verse is a, is a negative condition of this promise of blessing. These are things, if you do that, if you do these things, uh, you're not positioning yourself to receive a blessing from God. If you don't do them, that is part of it. Blessed is the man who does not do these things. Now, the next verse in Psalms 1, verse 2 says, but, okay, we already covered the things we are not to do in order to receive the blessing. And here are the things that we should do. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law, or on his law, he meditates day and night. Now, if you look at these two things carefully, you see they're incompatible with one another. If you're doing one, you can't be doing the other. If you're doing the other, you can't be do If you're doing verse two, you can't be doing verse one. If you're doing verse one, you can't be doing verse two. If you're hanging out with the sinners, you're not going to be able to meditate on God's word day and night because you're doing something else. And if you are walking with God, you're delighting in God's word, you're meditating on it day and night. That means basically all the time. You're not going to be doing the wrong things. And you are going to be blessed. Finding delight and joy in God's word. You see, he doesn't just say read your chapter every day. That's not a bad thing to do. But he wants you to delight in God's word. To find joy in reading God's word. Asking God to reveal more of his word to you. Seeking to apply it to your life. Praying about it. Delighting in it. And every command that God gives us, and this is a command here to delight in the law of the Lord, he gives us the power and ability to do it. And so if you're struggling with delighting in God's word, ask him to help you because he wants to help you to delight in God's word. And not see it as a chore or see it as something that perhaps you can't understand. God wants you to understand God's Word, and He will help you with it. Now, it doesn't say that He reads it day and night. It says He meditates on it day and night. What's the difference? Well, you know, reading is an active thing. You're reading words on a page, and that's good. You have to read God's Word in order to know it. Meditating on God's Word is thinking about it afterwards. How does it apply to my life? What does God mean by that? Meditating on God's word. And you can do that 
not just sitting alone. You can meditate on God's word as you're walking, as you're working, throughout the day. God will give you a, a verse or a concept or a truth to meditate on for that day. And when your mind is filled with these godly thoughts, when your mind is filled with the word of God, that is going to impact the whole rest of your life. It's obviously impacting your thoughts. If your thoughts are meditating on God's word, are you going to be worrying? No. Are you going to be anxious? No. Are you going to be thinking of bad things to do? No. Uh, all those things. It, 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 is, uh, it really is a key to living a godly life. When your mind is filled with godliness, when your mind is filled with God's word, then the whole rest of your life is going to follow that path. Now, as we've already mentioned, obedience to God's word results in God's blessing. But does that mean that those who walk in godliness will never have any problems in their life? And the answer is no. Uh, we are not yet living in heaven. You look at the life of Jesus. Did Jesus have, quote, problems in his life? Yeah, I mean, people, a lot of people didn't like him. To be honest, right? More people didn't like Jesus, the perfect, most perfect person who ever walked the planet, than liked him. In fact, the majority wanted to kill him. Look at the life of the Apostle Paul. Did he have, did he have an easy life with no problems? Who wants to live the life of Paul? Might like take my hand down. Uh, you know, he was beaten. He was stoned. He was shipwrecked. He was imprisoned. He was ridiculed. He was mocked. All kinds of things that he went through. Now listen to what Paul writes in Philippians 4.11. He says, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am, in whatever situation I am, to be content. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. What an amazing verse. Despite all the things that Paul had gone through, Paul had discovered the secret to being content all the time. He was living out God's word. He did not live an easy life. He was persecuted. He was uh, attacked in many ways, but he relied on God's strength in every situation. And when you know you are walking in God's will, then whatever happens to you, has been permitted by God. Some things that God permits to come into our lives are, are wonderful. We think they're great. Other things that come into our lives may not be so good. Being stoned doesn't seem like a good thing. I'm sure that Paul didn't say, I sign up to be stoned. And yet, God allowed him to go through that and even in the midst of that, God gave him strength. In fact, there's one point after Paul was stoned, it may be he was dead and he was raised up from the dead. Scripture isn't totally clear, but he was out of it till they prayed for him and then he raised up again. And so, <clears throat> for a believer who lives a godly life, whatever comes can be seen as a blessing, comes from God's hand, we can be content in life. And so a blessing that Blessings draw us closer to Jesus. 
And those are some of the blessings of godly living. So I'd like us to think just a little bit more about this concept of contentment. I believe that contentment is a blessing of godly living. Again, if we are content, it seems to me we're not going to be worried about anything. If we are content, we're not going to be anxious. If we are content, we are going to be walking in a good relationship with God. Now, as we begin this prime time stage of life, it's you know roughly after the 20s, even in the 20s, let's, let's even begin with how a person thinks as a 20-year-old. It's been a while for me. Um, but your entire life is ahead of you, right? I mean, you're just getting started. You're starting work. You may be starting a family. Everything is turning up roses. You've got this entire life ahead of you. You've got these dreams of all the things you want to accomplish. The sky is the limit. All things are possible. As you go through life, through the years, your 20s, your 30s, your 40s and on, you become wiser about life. You grow in wisdom. The Bible teaches us that. And perhaps the dreams you had once, maybe some of them are not, it's obvious they're not going to come to pass or that it's a lot harder than you thought it was going to be. Sometimes people get discouraged. How can you be content as life moves on? As things you thought were possible, perhaps the door closes on some of those things. How can you be content? Well, simply as Paul said, he was certainly in the prime time or maybe in the next stage when he wrote those words. I don't know exactly how old or if we even know how old he was when he wrote those words. Simply by living by God's word and trusting him to take care of you. Simply by seeking to do God's will, walking with him, submitting our ambitions, our dreams, our visions to his. And the truth of the matter is, oftentimes, God's dreams and God's plans are a little bit different than ours. And we need to learn to submit our dreams and our visions to His so that we can be content. Being content is, comes by seeking God's will and God's kingdom and leaving the results to God. Now, these things that God wants us to learn about godly living in the prime time stage are not only for ourselves, they're of course to be taught to our children as well. But that's a whole other topic. But we're going to leave that for another time. But contentment is a blessing of, of godly living. Now let's look at the second blessing, <clears throat> the blessings of a church family. Malachi 3.16 says, Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them. And a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. In Genesis, we learn that God said it's not good for man to live alone. God created people not to live isolated lives apart from other people. First of all, he put people into physical families. And through Jesus Christ, he created a spiritual family that children of God live in. And so this verse in Malachi speaks of believers who fear God, that's a good thing, speaking to one another. What are they speaking to one another? Well, they're talking 
about the things of God. And God was so impressed that he began to write down the things that they were speaking about him. Now, I don't think he would write down things that weren't good. It says it was a book of remembrance. The things that they were speaking were godly things. They were encouraging things. It was people who feared God and esteemed his name. And so a church family is a place where those who fear God can speak to one another, can find strength from one another, can encourage one another, and actually live out Malachi 3.16. I believe God keeps a record of the encouraging, positive things that we say to one another, even in this day. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, this is an instruction to all of us, therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Now this was part of a letter that Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica, but of course the things that Paul writes are things that apply to each one of us. The New Testament speaks of believers in a church family of encouraging one another and building each other up. How many people like to be encouraged? Most of us. How many like to have somebody discourage you? No hands are going up. We all like to be encouraged. And the Bible teaches us that we reap what we sow. And so if you want to be encouraged, what do you need to do? Encourage somebody else. If you encourage somebody else, eventually you will be encouraged. If you build somebody else up, eventually you will be built up. If you need to be strengthened, seek to strengthen someone else. As you meet the needs of others, then your needs will be met within a church family. If you just come, say, I just want all my needs met, it's probably not going to happen. But if you come to have your needs met and to seek to meet the needs of others by giving one way or another, then they will be met. Ephesians 4.16 speaks of a church family. It says, from whom, speaking of Jesus, the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And so this verse in Ephesians, it speaks of the beautiful image of a church family as a body. In fact, the body of Christ. And in this body of Christ, each one of us is a, is a body part. Paul goes through the different things. Some might be a hand or a foot or an ear or an eye. We're a part of the body. Why are we different body parts? Because God has created us differently. But each part is necessary within a church family. And each part is joined to each of the other parts. But each part needs to function in the way that God created it to function in order for the body to work properly. It's true in our, with our physical bodies, and it's true in a church family. And so growth in a church family draws us closer to God and draws us closer to one another. And as it says in this verse, as the church family grows in serving one another, it builds itself up in love. And so the blessing of a church family is that each, that each of us is, is part of something that's bigger than ourselves, and something that's designed to help us grow, to become more like Jesus, 
as we help others grow to become more like Jesus. It all works out. And so there are many wonderful blessings in being part of a church family. We could talk about that for, for many, many messages. But let's just talk about how this applies to the prime time life stage. The prime time of life is a busy time of life. I suppose that we could argue with people in other stages and they say, my stage, I'm busier than prime time. But prime time is a busy time of life. For many, it might be the busiest time of life. You're working hard at your job. You're seeking to earn a living. You're seeking to support your family. At the same time, you usually have an obligation to raise your children in the ways of God as well as to keep on building your marriage. And there are other responsibilities in that time as well. Unfortunately, in this life stage, some people make the wrong decision to drop out of church. I just don't have time for church. I got too many things on my plate. And therefore, you forfeit the blessings of a church family. The Bible warns us to not forsake the regular gathering together, meeting with other believers. Talks about meeting together in a larger, a larger service as this morning where you're listening to instruction of a pastor or a teacher and also to be involved in smaller groups where you can interact, where you can ask questions, uh, where you can encourage others, where you can talk to others, where there's more two-way communication. This is you know, primarily a one-way communication and both are described in the Bible. And we will have more opportunities for the small groups coming up this fall, the Lord willing. A participation in the church family is a road for increased blessing in your life. The next type of blessing that we want to talk about today is the, blessing of, the blessings of honoring parents. Paul writes in 1 Timothy 5, 4, he says, If a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. Now, the prime time stage of life is, is often referred to as a sandwich generation. And what that means is in this stage, you can be in the middle between raising children and sometimes caring for aged parents at the same time. And that was, our, that was our case in our family. We were raising children, and, and my parents were approaching end of life and passed on a few years ago. And you're caught in the middle. It's very busy with doing all those things. But this verse in Timothy refers to the responsibility of children. And this is speaking primarily of adult children with their own families, of caring for their aging parents when they are no longer able to care for themselves. And caring for one's parents is part of giving back to your parents for all that they have given and imparted into your life down through the years. Proverbs 22 or 23 verse 22 says, Listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is old. Now this verse is written not simply to children who are still living at home. It's also written to adult children. And of course this instruction, the last part, and I assume the first part as well, is, is spoken to adult children who have, obviously parents who are a bit older than them by 20, 30 years or whatever. 
Listen to your father. And don't despise your mother. And so children are to honor their parents throughout life. And why are we talking about this today? It, it applies to almost every stage. Even after leaving home and starting families of their own. Honoring parents includes listening to their counsel. It includes treating them in a loving way. Parents are to be trusted counselors to their children, friends throughout life. Now why does Proverbs say don't despise your mother when she is old? One of the tendencies of the young is to despise the older and think they don't know anything or, you know, young people know it all. It's, a, it's just a... It's not a new tendency. It's been there probably from the beginning of creation that, you know, when you're young, you know it all and the, the older people don't know much. But the Bible extensively tells us to honor our elders and here, obviously, parents are elders to their children, even if they're adult children. It speaks clearly to listen to them, don't despise them. God has given especially godly parents to impart wisdom to their children at every stage of life, and they can help you even in the prime time stage of life. Uh, when you're well in the way of raising your children, the children's grandma and grandpa can still speak into their lives and give counsel as well. Ephesians 6 refers back to the Ten Commandments. Verse 2 and 3 says, Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. And so honoring parents begins when children are living at home, and yet it continues throughout life. This is not an option. It's not a suggestion. It's, a, it's one of the Ten Commandments. And Paul notes that this is the first commandment with a promise. The promise is twofold. The first part is when you honor your parents, it will go well with you. It sounds good, doesn't it? I think I want things to go well with me. It's just simply another way of saying your life is going to be blessed. And you honor your parents at every stage of life. And then it adds a specific promise. Those who honor their parents are going to live long lives as they serve God. A long life is a blessing that God gives to those who honor their parents. If you go through the book of Proverbs, you find multiple verses that speak, on the other hand, of problems that come to children that do not honor their parents. Again, this is not just simply speaking of children at home. It's speaking of adult children who may be in the prime time age of life. Let's talk a little bit more about how that plays out. <clears throat> now, all of us have had parents. goes without saying. Some parents have been godly believers. And some of us probably had parents who were not believers at all. And yet, no matter what parents you had, no matter what your parents were like, God chose those parents to bring you into the world to give you life and they are to be honored for that as such you can honor them you can seek to maintain a godly relationship throughout life but no matter how wonderful your parents may have been no matter how godly they may have been there are no perfect parents they all make mistakes and as such God desires for children Adult children, we're talking about the prime time age, to forgive the wrongs of their parents. There are people who have 
lived a life of bitterness for something their parents did to them and have never forgiven their parents. In fact, I've talked to people who've lived a life of bitterness and finally God's Spirit convicted them and they forgave their parents after their parents had already passed on. And when they forgave their parents in their heart, God set them free of that bitterness, that anger that they had towards their parents. Now, does that mean the parents didn't do something wrong? No. But God calls us to forgive. Unforgiveness will be a block to God's blessing in your life. Forgiving and honoring is a key to unlocking God's blessing. And so today we've looked at the blessings that come through three types of relationships that we all have. We've been focusing on the prime time of life, but of course it applies to just about every stage of life. The first relationship is our relationship with God. Our love for God is demonstrated by our obedience to Him, and as we obey, His blessings come into our life in greater dimension. The second relationship that brings blessing in our lives is our church family. As we pray together, as we worship together, as we learn together, as we serve together, God causes us to grow and to be blessed. A church family is an essential part of receiving God's blessing. A third relationship is a relationship with our physical family. And God off, God's word often speaks of extended families. Your family includes your spouse, your children. It includes your parents. If your children are married, it includes your grandchildren. That's a big extended family. And as you learn God's command, or learn to follow God's command and walk in it to honor your parents, greater blessings will flow into your life, will flow into that extended family. The concept that we have today of each family being kind of isolated with nothing to do with where they came from or where they're going is, is not something that is found in God's Word. And so God wants us to use these three keys to unlock more of God's blessing. Now this morning I want to, as I always do, give people an opportunity to commit or recommit their life to Jesus Christ as that is the first step to receiving God's blessing into your life. Uh, to do that, you admit that you've sinned, that you've done wrong things, and you ask, you repent of those sins, ask God to forgive you. You believe that Jesus died on the cross, that you might be forgiven. He rose from the dead, and you commit yourself to following him as your Lord and Savior. And so this morning we're going to pray, and I'm going to encourage you, if you've never prayed a prayer like that before, to pray along with me, or perhaps you'd like to recommit your life to the Lord. And that's a good thing to do from time to time. So let's bow our heads right now so that we can pray. Father, today I admit that I've sinned. I've, I've done wrong things. I haven't obeyed you in every aspect of your word. And I ask that you forgive me. I repent. I turn away from those sins. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, that I might be forgiven. He paid the penalty for my sin. Come into my life. I believe you're alive today. You rose from the dead, and I commit myself to following you as my Lord and Savior. Father, we thank you for your word today. It talked about how we can be blessed in our lives. God, we desire your blessing in our lives. 
Today we admit that without your blessing, we cannot do the things you're calling us to do. Without your blessing, we cannot have joy in our lives. Without your blessing, God, we cannot live out your purpose for our lives. We thank you for the keys that you've given to us this morning, the blessing of godly living, God. We want to live our lives according to your word. Forgive us for putting your word as too low a priority in our lives. We ask that you would help us to read, meditate on your word, apply your word to our lives each and every day. May we meditate on it day and night. May we move in that direction, God, to believe that it's possible. And as we live according to your word, God, we believe that your blessings are going to come to our lives in greater degree. We thank you for the blessings of a church family, God, of being together with other believers in the body of Christ, worshiping together, studying your word together, serving together. We thank you that blessing comes as we encourage one another, as we help one another, God, as we build one another up. Help us to grow and excel in these things more and more as we invite other people to be part of your family, to become children of God, to become members of a church family. And finally, God, we thank you for the, the blessings of honoring parents. We thank you for the parents that you have given each and every one of us. We thank you for them that they gave us life. And we ask that you would help us to honor them in this life, and honor their memories when they've gone. We pray, God, that we would forgive the hurts that they have caused, the wrongs they have done. For even godly parents are not perfect. We pray that we would have a good relationship with them throughout life. We pray that our extended family would bring honor and glory to you. At every, in every generation. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.